Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we'll be discussing Book 1, Episode 8, The Winter Solstice Part 2, Avatar Roku. I'd like to welcome my full panel back today. Everyone has returned. We have our Woo-hoo! regular people, so everyone say hello, Lindsay. Hey, what's up, guys? Corey. I'm back. And Charles. Hello. Yes, everyone Everyone has returned. Mitchell has returned to Taiwan. So today we have the regular people. Um, however, we will have quite a few guests coming up, so be on the lookout for that. So yes, yeah, so this is the Winter Solstice Part 2. So as per usual, oh, initial thoughts. Uh, Charles, why don't you go ahead? Uh, I thought this was an interesting episode. <laughs> I mean, first it uh, it tied in well from how they basically hinted at that this is what it was gonna be uh, from the prior episode. Um, also, I mean, I enjoyed the running of the blockade, how Zhao is trying to play games, and everybody kind of knows what each other is doing, but not entirely. And then uh, I especially enjoyed the spirit world section where Roku's explaining stuff. But I, I like the episode all in all. Mm-hmm. I think it was great. Where, Lindsay? Um, I really like the episode. I feel like um, it's a great way of definitely confirming. Like we've already kind of had thoughts about like, okay, so Aang has to kind of do this stuff. We're not exactly a hundred percent sure what he has to do, but he has to defeat the fire lord and obviously his conversation with roku one it like introduces the great character of roku to the audience and then definitely helps us like more or less definitely confirm about what he definitely does have to do and explains you gotta do this you gotta work on this like right now like get your shit together ang <laughs> and i kind of think it's a good wake-up call for ang because he knows he's the avatar he knows he has to do all this stuff and even he's just like but Roku, I have to do. I, like, I still have I haven't learned this. And then Roku's like, "Listen, like, d- get your shit together." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely d- appreciated uh, that kind of aspect, and even like kind of um, it ha- still has some good action scenes in it, which I I think I always kind of forgot about them because you always think, okay, well, obviously it's just about him meeting up with Roku again, but then you get the awesome action scenes about just even like with the explosions of in the temple and then of course running the blockade. So overall, very good episode. Okay. Corey. Um, well, if you recall me, you know, last episode I was gushing. Um, and if you thought I gushed last episode, this one was a lot better. I mean, this is a phenomenal second part. Um, the intensity, the suspense, um, just by knowing that they're for the first time you're entering the fire nation um, it, it's something that from the first five minutes you're, you're feeling your heart uh, rush, especially when they have to rush the blockade. Um, both uh, Zuko and Aang are really not allowed in the Fire Nation. So just playing off that, you, you, you just are always on edge of what's going to happen next. Um, obviously, one of my favorite villains uh, is nice and back. Uh, we got Admiral Zhao. Um, and I will... I'm enough... Now you'll you'll hear me gush throughout the rest of this podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes. Okay, um, I guess this is going to be kind of our uh, a bit of a disagreement here. Um, that being said, I don't think this is a bad episode. I don't think this is even a good episode. I think this is a very good episode. That being said, 
last week, uh, or not even last week, it's been a while, but the last episode, I, I spent a lot of time talking about how much I, fe- I felt that the first part of this got better in my mind, knowing the future, knowing everything that's going to happen, especially knowing everything that happens in Korra. This episode, I actually have dropped a little bit on. Not that it's bad. I, I think everything about the episode is good. I think it fits together really well. Um, the action is really is nice. There's some interesting overtones and, and some really good stuff I want to get into. That being said, I, I think I remember this episode just better than it actually was. I think that there are, all in all, it, it felt somewhat anticlimactic to me. Um, and it's just interesting because I, I, I felt last week, like I re- initially remembered the, the first part of the Winter Solstice as being like, oh, it's kind of this okay episode that introduces the spirit world, but I don't know how I feel about it. But event- realizing how important it was and what it did and, and what it meant for the overall narrative was really important. This episode, it, it feels very, like, it's ne- it's extremely necessary in terms of introducing the narrative, but that's basically it. Like, okay, I need to defeat the Fire Lord. We've kind of already heard that line before, and it, there's some, I, now, it, it's like, it's weird, it's hard for me to put into words, but it's like, nothing about it is bad, but it's just not as good as I remember it, if that makes sense. Um mm-hmm. All right, so we'll get into our episode discussion now. And the first thing I want to say is this, this does flow very well from the previous episode. Um, it's interesting because when I initially talked about doing these two episodes, I decided to break them up as, as, as individual episodes because I felt that they were pretty distinct. This is not, you know, other than the ending of the last episode kind of flowing into this one, it, 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 they're not that similar. Um, and they do feel complete, but I do I do like how well this sort of episode. This is the first time we've had an episode other than the first one, which is you know I, I don't think I don't consider those different episodes. I think they're that's just kind of one um, one hour episode um, where we really do see a flow from from one episode into the next, where where we sort of last episode set up what needs to happen, and now Ang has to go on this quest and and, and go and do some things. Yeah, I definitely agree. It definitely does have a good flow, especially because, like you mentioned, the last time we had like a part one, part two, it honestly did feel more of just like one giant episode. And just like the way that, especially the narrative of both episodes in this case, they, they're similar, but they have enough distinction away from each other that it's a good flow. But at the same time, you obviously can realize a difference in the episodes themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I think is good. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about um, in detail is when in your opening scene you have Aang trying to, to leave and he, he's kind of pulling Appa. And the way I read this in many ways was Appa refusing to leave without Katara and Sokka. And the reason I say this is because Aang is sort of saying as he's pulling on the reins, like, I miss them too, but I can't let them go. I have to make sure they don't get hurt. Um, and I think this is really interesting because, like, you, we kind of forget at times Op, how much Appa's role is important as Aang's animal guide and how much Appa not only means to Aang, but also is a guide, is supposed to be giving Aang a certain amount of support. And I think it's interesting that Appa recognizes very early on how important Aang's friends are to the journey, while Aang is sort of looking at it on the other side of, like, concern for their safety. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's just, I, I like that in some ways it adds a little bit of like character to Appa um, here that I don't know how much we've seen before but we're going to sort of continue to see throughout the series yeah it kind of definitely shows more of um, the moral side of Appa 
like kind of like you mentioned it it kind of makes me like i feel like this is one of the episodes in which you really get to see like see that kind of example like a, more of a sort of humanity from appa the flying bison yeah no I, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i i was just like huh that that is one smart bison there mm-hmm. i wouldn't call it like a humanity i think it's just a simple like literally like you, as you see in most cartoons like you can't go without your friends type deal and i think it's just as a means for them to eventually say no we're gonna go with you i mean i don't i'm, I'm think yeah it might be a little looking too much into it saying like this is like the first form of characterization appa i think it's just mm-hmm. a common trope that you see in animation that like no don't go without your friends and it's coming from you know your animal the- the, re- the reason I do think that there is a bit more to it than that, though, is that this is the episode, or this is directly after the episode where we meet Roku's animal guide and sort of get a, you know, where Aang said that. And before that, I kind of, you kind of felt like, oh, is Appa just Aang's pet? But then we realize that this is actually an Avatar thing, and then we'll see it again and again with, um, you know, uh, Naga and the deer that Juan rides. That it is actually, like, the Avatars have an animal guide. Like, that's actually a set thing. Appa's not anything sort of just generic to Aang, um, which is, that's kind of the reason that it, it sort of jumped out to me. Um, and I don't, I don't think you're wrong that this is sort of the the standard, oh, you need to have your friends, you can't just do this all on your own. But I just think that it's an interesting choice that it was Appa that, that did that and not like, oh, they just ran out as he was leaving or something like that. Yeah, I'm with Mark on that one. That's definitely a conscious choice that the uh, creators of the show made. There's no way, like, because the, the trope is that as you're leaving, you're, like, you'll see it in every other show, your friends are the ones that stop you. And this one's like, and could easily have booked it before they left it, before they made it out of the house. Mm-hmm. So, um, intentional or not, I think yeah, that Appa does play a role there. Anything you want to add to that, Corey? No, I, I see both sides. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess you're right with Roku's dra- dragon last episode. I, I'm starting to see the parallel now. Um, but, um, again, I, I, I feel like it's a little too subtle. If that, I mean, no, if that's what they're going for, very nice. But at the same time, I could see it being both sides of the coin. All right. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about, and this will kind of go a little bit out of order, um, but I want to talk about here because in theory, the, the idea of Aang needing to talk to Roku was brought up in the spirit world. Um, but my question is, what would have happened if Aang hadn't ended up in the spirit world at this moment? Like, would he have never been able to talk to Roku? And just as an aside, my understanding of the Aang's ability to talk to Roku and Avatar's talking to their past lives is once they've made initial contact, it becomes easier and easier. But that first mm-hmm. contact is very difficult and requires some kind of special circumstances. Um, at least that's what we see with the, fir- the two Avatars that we have any knowledge about with Aang and Korra. Um, so that's my understanding and that's what I'm going to go with. So just taking that as, as kind of the starting point that if Aang hadn't ended up in the spirit world and and um, Roku's dragon hadn't come to find him, would Aang have like not been able to contact Roku? Like it just, it just I, I don't, I'm a big, I really don't like like super convenient coincidences. Like, oh, of course he ended up in the spirit world right at the exact moment he had to yada 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 i mean unless you want to turn this into purely like it's all faded 
there is no free will, so to speak. Like, do you see that or do you think I'm kind of going too far here? I see it as like destiny. Like if you compare it to other fantasy, it's like in Star Wars, like everything through the force. Like I think it's, it was, you know, this is how it is. It's fated to be. It's again, it's like, I'm I'm just thinking of tropes and fantasy. And again, that's one of them where, you know, sure it's lucky, of course, but this is storytelling right now in a fantasy world. So you could call it destiny. You could call it the, the will of the avatars, however you want to call it. That's how I view it at least. Well, no, I, I, I agree with you. I guess you're just taking a more positive view of it. I, I, those are the kind of things that at times can annoy me a little bit about storytelling where you're, you're hinging. And this is like a really big deal if you want to get down to it. I mean, Aang doesn't really know about the comet. He doesn't know what's going on mm-hmm. unless he talks to Roku. And it seems like he needed to talk to him on the solstice. You know, maybe he would have found a way if he didn't. I don't know. But it just that seems like a very shaky foundation to build on like a huge piece of the narrative i think they handle it well and i i didn't even notice it the first time around and and even multiple viewings through i mean i've seen the show many times even a couple of viewings through. but on this one when i sort of was taking the critical eye to it 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 struck me for a minute i was like wait a minute it's real lucky he ended up at the spirit world when he did Yeah, I, I, I see both both kind of sides to this, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, Mark. Like, oh, well, hadn't been for that weird spirit thing that he was trying to catch, who knows when uh, Aang would have really been able to actually know that he could talk to Roku. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, it obviously also kind of gets at the more of the problem that we run into because of Aang... Ang's disappearance and the fact that he doesn't have any support structure um, of people mm-hmm. who understand what's going on. Because if Ang had been, you know, raised and, and sort of trained by the monks, he would have known a hundred percent what he needed to do to talk to Roku. He wouldn't have really. I don't think he would have had this problem. He wouldn't have had had these issues. Um, but because he has no support structure at this point, um, it, it 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 necessitates him talking to Roku even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't have to be on that day, right? Wasn't wasn't Korra's talking to Aang essentially non like um what's it, emotional driven more than say any spirit you know, any Yeah. No it was. Event. It was so, after she lost her bending and spoilers for Korra. Um, you know, she <laughs> she after she lost her bending she and she was at her lowest point, she just sort of happened upon talking to Aang, which, I mean, it, it does mean that I guess Aang would have found a way to talk to Roku if, if this hadn't happened, and, and it's... Like, eventually. And, and yeah. I say, this is not, like, a big deal. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going crazy about this. Uh, I don't think it's, like, a major plot hole here. It's just, it's just one of those, like, little interesting things that I sort of, that jumped out at me, because, and, and this kind of transitions to the next thing I want to talk about, because this is the first time we've ever seen time come into play. Um, in general, this show kind of the old, one of the few legitimate criticisms that I have for the show is I've never really feel like time makes all that much sense because we don't have a particularly good view of like how long it takes to get places, how long is our time passing, except at certain arbitrary points they say, hey, this amount of time has passed because a major event has happened, which, you know, it's fine, it's all right. But this is our sort of first moment of like something needs to happen on the solstice. You need to get there tomorrow, which 
mm-hmm. is kind of it does have this kind of weird feel to it because I, I don't I don't feel like they do a great job of giving us a full picture of time and that's it's sort of why I've thought about what I was talking about previously because it's like oh Aang has to be there tomorrow it's not like oh Aang you have to just go to this island at some point that's the only way to talk Roku okay fine nothing big deal he would have gone to spirit world at some point everything's great but the fact that like he went into spirit world right after uh you know right before the perfect time for him to talk to Roku is I, I guess why I I get that get into that mm-hmm. So then we see uh, Zuko finding out, and I think that I like this scene partially because a it means that we kind of justify how Z- Zuko knows that this is going on, but also that it sort of puts together like last last scene where you can see that Zuko is a little bit behind Aang, that he wasn't you know in the past he's sort of shown up kind of in the middle of the action. This time around he shows up after Aang is left, um, which sort of makes sense because of the fact that he had to go after his uncle. It kind of gives a little bit of a a nice end to that story um, in general. Um, the other thing is I really like the juxtaposition between Zuko and Aang, uh, both needing to go into the Fire Nation and both being told it's too risky, you you can't do it, but both of them feeling that their destiny is there, like what they need to do is this. Um, and considering how much of this is a dual story, it's, it's sort of nice that the last episode we kind of saw Zuko break away and sort of choose, okay, I need to do what's best for Iroh and do what's best for my, you know, my, my loved ones mm-hmm. over chasing Aang. This episode, it's sort of like the opposite where Zuko's like, no, I need to chase Aang. This is my, this is my destiny. And I just think that's an interesting sort of moment for his character and an interesting sort of way to sort of put Zuko and Aang together. And we, we'll see it continually throughout the series where they'll sort of put Zuko and Aang in sort of similar positions where Situations. they're trying to compare the two. Mm-hmm. That's why I love this episode so much from the beginning because, like, as I said earlier on, like, both of them having to go into the Fire Nation but more or less being, like, forbidden from being there, it just adds, like, a l- layer of suspense that, like, you just, like, don't feel at the beginning of, like most episodes because and also I do see what you're saying about the whole time passage thing because once they're in the Fire Nation Aang is traveling for hours upon hours upon hours going God knows how deep into the Fire Nation and then after they arrive you know Appa has time to rest and then like eventually Zuko and um, Zhao just you know make it there so you don't really you're right you really don't know how long it took them to get to the island and then it seems like Zuko and, and Zhao just made it there conveniently around a time that Aang was making it into the into the chamber. So that mm-hmm. that part, I, I'd say, was very valid. I mean, to be honest, it's not so much this episode because I think this episode actually does do a decent job. Because you and I think that the we'll talk. I'll, I'll talk about this later, but I really like the way they sort of shot the sun setting slowly but surely. Um, my point is more about I don't think we ever. Like we're like later on in book two when when Appa gets captured and or and they're sort of talking about oh we need to go um, travel like all the way back towards the South Pole because that's where they thought Appa was going to be for a second like for a moment it was like I, I don't know exactly what that means in terms of time um, because it seems like it takes them a very long time to get from um, the South Pole to the North Pole but then in once we get to book two. They're kind of traveling around the Earth Kingdom, and it, it kind of seems like they're they can kind of travel wherever they want at will. It just this it, I guess that's sort of my my point um, yeah. in general about time. 
Um, and like for the most part, it feels like they ignore it, but this is like an episode where they're like, no, this is a day. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I guess, what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, time itself in this show, I feel like, is very unclear. Like, like you've been mentioning, and I'm just going to keep emphasizing that, because how long, like, how long have they actually been away from the South Pole? Do we know? Uh, we, have, uh, we, we really don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah. I can take an educated guess and say it, it's probably been about a month, but I, I can't, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's just a guess. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and with time, it's also distance. Like, di- the, the size of this world has never really been completely clear. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is just a sort of, like, it, it's it's not a big deal almost all the time because I, I, as much as I love geography and I, I like the geography of this world, it's not something that's a big deal. But when you make an episode hinge on, like, the tension of an episode hinge on, we need to travel this really long distance in a day... I have no real, like, background Perception. to understand yeah. what that is. Was this actually really hard? Was this, you know, is it a miracle they got there? Is it expected they got there? Like, that's that's the question I, I'm, I'm asking here. Um, and I just don't think mm-hmm. that they do a good enough job answering it um, throughout the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Can I just, like, interject? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is kind of, like, off topic, but sort of going back to your old point about how you said, like, um, you weren't really a big fan of like kind of like I think the, did you were you saying more of like the destiny thing where like luckily it was Aang had to be where he had to be in order to find out he had to speak to Roku in order to find out the big plot force that drove most of the series yeah that, like you're right that, that's what you're upset about yeah. I'm just saying like after rewatching this episode there's a lot of deus ex machina in Avatar there is and that's just and like just like with like Roku keeping the chamber locked so no one else can open it again. Like that's like magic, kind of. No, right? that I that I don't have a problem with. That is Roku's chamber. He this is during the time he's basically in the physical world. I I don't have a problem with that um, because I I can accept that an avatar has a certain amount of power and this is a door that's like opened by fire bending so you can kind of figure like the way I almost read it as like he's like blocking the fire from going into the heat locks mm-hmm. kind of sounds yeah, weird I mean, it's, it's it's tight it's just again i i i respect right now this is again a fantasy universe where you are allowed to have a certain amount of deus ex machina slash destiny slash magic <laughs> to like justify some things is happening in the universe it's not like a more of a grounded universe like so I, that's why I feel like it's okay. I, I don't think it's the the biggest deal in the world, and I'm I'm okay with there being fate and hell. This show is called Thoughts from Aunt Wu. You know, there is going to be a moment where we're going to meet a fortune teller who can literally see the future. Um, so I, I, this is not like the biggest thing, but I guess to some degree, it's like when when you're when I'm just dissecting an episode like point by point, it just it just something that jumped out at me um, that I never really picked up on before and. On Corey's point about Deus Ex Machina, there are some in this show that bother me, um, and we'll get to those when we get there. But there are some moments in this show that that it does bother me how kind of easy solutions seem to be gifted to people, like just by chance. And I think that that at times can be somewhat somewhat troubling. Um, I don't think this is a particularly egregious example. I don't think it brings down the episode or the show at all. But it just it's a small example of it. 
Um, there are others later on that are a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to, I, you know, I was talking about Zuko and Aang, um, and now to sort of go more specific into Zuko, um, I like this episode also because of how it sort of characterizes how desperate Zuko's situation is um, in that, A, he has to, like, take a huge risk in order to capture the Avatar, but also that you can see in Zuko's eyes versus Iroh's eyes that Zuko has not really accepted that he's... This is a fool's errand that he's never going to finish, that, 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 that his father sent him away and sort of said, oh, go capture the Avatar, knowing it was never going to happen. Like, Zuko still looks at this as, like, a test. Like, this is my mission to, to claim the throne. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be welcomed home with honor, and that's going to be that. But Iroh knows, no. Ozai has said, get the fuck out of my life. You're never coming back. And I think that it's, yeah. it's nice to see... To see that when Zuko's saying, like, I know my father will understand this is what I have to do. And I was like, no, he won't understand. Your father's an asshole. You're going to have to He's get like, over my that. My brother is <laughs> not going to do that, dude. Like, <laughs> I think the quote is, my brother is not the understanding type. Yeah, he he's like, my brother ain't cool like that, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm Uncle Iroh. I'm cool. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to jump in on Zuko. Zuko's Dude. desperation for honor continues. Honor. Honor. <laughs> yes. Uh, poor Zuko. No, this definitely does emphasize that too. Like, I feel like sometimes we kind of not forget, but we get like so caught up in everything else, and then you see this type of moment where he's just like. I don't care, Uncle. We gotta go. We gotta go through this blockade. Uncle's like, maybe we should. He goes, no, come on. We gotta do it. It kind of like, it's almost like, oh my gosh. It just emphasizes all the daddy issues that Zuko has. Yeah, it's it's. A... Well, I don't think I don't think he's ever afraid to go back into the Fire Nation. He, he's the prince. He's like, it's my land. So I don't. It's like when you get like grounded and then you like leave your room anyway. Like it's like that type of thing. I think. But... Like I don't think. He didn't get grounded. He got He's exiled. burned and exiled. <laughs> but he doesn't care, though. Like, I, I think it doesn't... He's not afraid of the Fire Lord. He's not afraid of the punishment that would come to him if he went back in. I, I think he's not... There's, like, no fear. He had almost no hesitation. But he doesn't say to Iroh, I can deal with the consequences of my actions. He says, my father will understand. That's yeah, a very that's why- different thing of... I know this is, again, I'm going to be breaking the law. I know my father is going to probably kill me for this. I don't care. I have no fear. I'm going forward. As opposed to a much more like, this is my mission. He'll understand that I was just doing what like I had to do for me to my do mission. This. Yeah, but does he ever show fear in this episode about going back or even hesitation? He doesn't even hesitate. No, but I think that that hesitation is not coming from a... It's not a defiant. It's a... Almost, I think it's desperation. Like he, I, I just think that it, it, it's it for me at least. It shows how how much he's not understanding what this what this actually means. Because later on, he does show some fear after he when he does re- return home after killing the Avatar, or you know, in this case, Azula, where he's he's concerned that like, will my will I be accepted back? Because he's realized a little bit more about himself. He's realized a little bit more about how difficult this was and he's grown up. In this moment, I, I feel like he's he's just, he thinks, 
I am, this is, this is not, like, I don't think that he thinks he's being punished. I think that he looks at this as, like, the test that all princes must go through to prove he's worthy for the throne, and he'll pull Excalibur from the, from the, the stone and reclaim his rightful place. And see, I kind of think of this as, like, this is essentially, like, I, if I don't do this, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to come back to the Fire Nation. I'm never going to be able to see, like, any, like, I'm not going to be able to come back. And the only way I can ever come back and even see my father like, at all and have some kind of, like, appreciation of any kind from him is if I do this. So I got to do this. Like, he told me to do this. I'm doing it. Like, I gotta get the Avatar. Like, I, I, I just have just major desperation feels from him. I personally don't think he really gets to grasp of his exile. I think honor is the only thing he's fighting for here. And everything, he's just like, oh, I, I just happen to be, you know, quote-unquote exiled. Haha, ha, I could go back. I won't get punished for this. But I think honor and just, like, the respect of his father is what he's really fighting for here. No, no, I, I, I agree with that. What I, I'm... I guess I misunderstood what you're saying. Like, I thought what you were saying was, like, he doesn't – he's just not afraid. Like, he's like, I am – who cares if my father punishes me? Whatever. I have no fear. As opposed to he doesn't understand how dangerous what he's doing is. Yes, I believe he doesn't understand it. But I, I also think that piggybacks off he's actually not afraid. I think his only motivation is getting his honor back. And you're right. I think if he enters the Fire Nation, he doesn't get the grasp of how much he could get punished. Charlie, you've been quiet for a little while. Anything you want to add? I mean, I'm going to say this is probably also a function of distance. Because, man, when Zuko sees Ozai in person again, he is... <laughs> brave is not the word I would use. Other than their meeting during the um, eclipse. Brave is not the word I would use. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, but that, um, speaking of that, that also ties in here. We're talking about how his motivation is, is his pride and his wanting to be accepted and loved by his father. Well, he says it himself directly. That's what he was trying to do all the time while he was searching for the Avatar when he confronts uh, Ozai during the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess I... I mean, I think the same as all of you. He's just not yet come to grips with what his current standing is in uh, the Fire Nation and with his father. Mm -hmm. Which means that he's just gonna try everything to fulfill his false mission. Yep. Mm -hmm. Ver very quickly before yep. we go to the next scene, one of my favorite shots in this episode was when um, Admiral Zhao is like, no, let them pass and they sail through the blockade and you see uh you see Zhao looking down at uh Zuko and then Zuko looking up at him and then right after they fly through uh they uh they uh, sail through you got like uh uh oh my god hold on you got them like sitting on the ships just like pondering like why did they let us through like that type of well, deal? Like I just love that those five second shot right there. Like everything mm -hmm. you got Zuko looking up, you got Zhao looking down, and you got them like wait, they let us through. Like what are they planning? I, I like that you were like let's do. Let me decide before we go to the next thing, and you just skipped ahead. You just skipped over some things I wanted to talk about to the the thing to later. I just 
I thought you were going to be on the island. But... No, no, we got we got plenty of stuff to talk about before that. Uh, we got siege break. Yes, I mean the other thing is I, I haven't mentioned it. Like this is probably our highest act energy and highest action episode yet. Um, I mean right from the start we we have a we have a bison battle against um, Zuko's ship, and then very quickly suddenly it's not one fireball it's a hundred fireballs, and and it's really crazy. Like this was. This was definitely a, a high episode, and there's a blockade and, and and a lot of stuff. So that was definitely you know very different. Um, kind of coming off of last episode, which was all about Aang. Kind of, I don't want to fight the spirit. I need to talk to the spirit, so to speak. And now we sort of have like, well, we just need to run a blockade. Casual. Yes. Um, so another thing I want to highlight um, that's kind of small but i actually think really important is we spent like the entirety of the last episode and a lot of the last couple episodes talking about all of these gut punches of how terrible the final nation is we've had you know episode three we had the 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 confirmation of genocide we've had prisoner of war camps we've now had the burning of the forest and all this but and that's really important because it's really important to make sure your villainous entity is actually terrible um, if that's what you want them to be. We want the Fire Nation to be the big bad. Now we know that they are. But I like that they what they do with the line the Fire Nation soldier or captain says to Zhao about um, how he doesn't want to shoot. Are we sure we want to shoot? There's a Fire Nation ship out there, one of our own. Um, and I think that it's, it's important to give some sort of this this humanizing moment to a member of the Fire Nation army because it's important to remember that they're also people. They also have, you know, feelings and, and cultures. And especially when the, the Fire Nation is this highly nationalistic culture, this highly um, militarized culture, you, you sort of, I think it's important to that the the Fire Nation has a, has sort of a feeling of wait would we shoot we can't shoot down one of our own ships there you know those are our 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 brothers out there what you know and it's it's important because at times i think the fire nation can be a little bit of a faceless enemy i mean you have these these soldiers in in these you know very you know fitting masks that that basically take away all of their humanity and i think that's that's good at times because that's what they that's what they're trying to go for but I also think that it's important to to keep in mind that these are people and this is sort of the first chance we get to see Wow, uh, just a, a regular Fire Nation soldier, not a main character, not someone we're going to get to know, but just a regular guy kind of has a very human reaction. Um, well, at the same time, Zhao is like, no, just shoot him. I mean, Grant, he what he says is they're a traitor, so we can shoot them. It's not a big deal. But it's sort of that okay. you can see that Zhao's like, I don't care. Like, do what's best to win the war, while a regular soldier's yeah. like, no, like, we need to be careful because like, it's people. Are we sure about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing about about the action episode is is you have to say Aang, Aang can be a badass sometimes. I mean, we we spent a couple of episodes kind of bashing Aang a little because at times he can be like totally meaningless and just decide I'm just like I'm gonna take this episode off. But this time Aang Aang, Aang had some moves. I mean, he, he destroyed some, some some fireballs in midair that was that was very impressive. And mm-hmm. uh, I like that we got a chance to be like, oh yeah, Aang's in this show kind of forgot like oh yeah Aang is pretty cool he's not just some silly kid yeah definitely 
So yeah, so Corey talked a little bit about about the scene of, of letting them pass, and I definitely agree with Corey. I think the the, the framing between Zuko and I and and Zhao mm-hmm. was really good. Um, I also just like in general that Zhao lets Zuko pass. You can sort of see some actual tact tactical decision making going on here. That you know Zhao says, "Oh, okay, I'm Zuko knows where Aang's going. I will let him pass to follow him," and then. Zuko tries to counter move with with sending out the smoke screen and, and taking the small boat, but then Jiao is able to overcome that. And you kind of see that you can see sort of the back and forth between two sort of tactical minds, and I think that's that's nice uh, because I think mm-hmm. too often shows will sort of be like, oh, they squared off and they fought, but it's like no, we actually saw them like battling each other with their minds for a little bit. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say that too. I love that was like a, a chess game. Like obviously. Iroh hey, and uh, it's his avatar is a pie show game. Uh, oh yeah, I guess pie show. You're touche, but like obviously, <laughs> obviously Iroh and, and Zuko knew why they let him pass, and I like how they tried to counter it with the the smoke screen. Mm-hmm. And I, again, just the fact that Zhao was able to overcome it shows why he's he's not to be reckoned with. He's not like one of those like those like. Just, I'm just a, a mustache twirling villain. He's smart. He's almost. He does have argue. quite the mustache, though. Yeah, I love. Definitely him. got sideburns. <laughs> He's sideburn good... for days. Sideburns means you're evil. The longer your sideburns are. Hey. Oh. I don't. I don't know if that's true. It's a trope. Sideburns and mustache. Hmm. But yeah, as as I was saying. Like, that's that's as you like you nailed it right in the head. Like some shows would be, especially in cartoons, would make it more like of a physical thing of a, a power struggle. This one it was a mental one, so mm-hmm. it was very much appreciated to watch. Um, so yeah, the other, another thing is I I'm kind of continuing to say this. I feel like every week, but I'm going to do it as long as it is. Another great new location. I mean, we get a, we get to see the Fire Temple, and it looks completely different from the Southern Air Temple. It, it looks so fitting for something in the middle of the Fire Nation with all this lava around and in a volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that that, it, that they don't um, like they don't be like, oh, all te-, you know, this is generic Avatar Temple. It kind of they all look the same, but no, it's like completely yeah. different. Yeah, it's really cool, and it kind of definitely reminds you too, like. Firebending nation, lava. <laughs> Although lava is not firebending. Okay, well, it's it's, it's hot. <laughs> you sure about that? Yes, I am. Bolin like is an earthbender. Roku's a firebender. Roku is the avatar. He is an everything. Sozin can bend lava too. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, you know, I was gonna wait until the end of the episode to talk about that, but yeah. What? That's yeah. Mark yeah, started that, that this bump. <laughs> I feel like that was gonna piss you. It off. It is. It is, and it does. But we will talk about that in the Avatar and the Fire Lord. We're not talking about that today. <laughs> no, we'll talk about it later today. But Fine, but <laughs> canonically, okay. earth bending, lava bending is earth bending. Um, okay. <laughs> now again. Is it because of Korra, or is it because, like, that's actually the fact? I mean... I think lava could go either way. I mean... Wait, hold... Lava is... Wait, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We'll We'll get get there there later. later. (laughs) Sorry. By that logic, Mark, fire is just energy, so fire bending is just energy bending. Well... it can bend everything. Energy bending is a completely different thing. 
Or is it? I mean, it is because. Hey, hey, we're not there yes. yet. Keep going. Fine. All right. Anywho, lava temple. So, yes. <laughs> the fire temple, because this is the fucking Legend of Zelda, I guess. Um, <laughs> hey, there's four. You gotta hit all of them up. I know, right? Um, that could be a good Except crossover. Some... So, someone might have done it. One question I want to talk about is what the role of the Fire Sages actually is. Because we sort of mm-hmm. get some conflicting um, parts of this. Because when um, whatever his name is, I forget the, the, the good sage, says that in the past the, the Fire Sages were only loyal to the Avatar. But we do know from the Avatar and the Fire Lord that they do crown the Fire Lord. That, that they do play some role in sort of the religious ishness of of the fire nation royalty um and i think it's just an interesting question of like was it just the fire sages sort of played both roles were they actually loyal to the avatar they just happened to do some stuff with the fire lord um i just i think it's just interesting to sort of see like what the role because mm-hmm. like religion is sort of a somewhat un like it's sort of weird in this in this world because it kind of gets mixed in with bending and mixed in with different philosophies and things like that. There's no like one set religious belief and then in theory since we know the spirit world exists there's kind of a like a religion that's I guess true mm-hmm. not to insult anyone's religious beliefs but like we don't actually have proof in this world for certain religions so it's sort of like I, it, it kind of creates this sort of weird dynamic. It just, it's just an interesting that they, they sort of specifically say that in this episode that the Fire Sages were loyal to the Avatar, but they seem to play a role within the Fire Nation as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it could be both. I think probably historically the Fire Lord's supposed to work with the Avatar, so they go hand in hand. This is, just happens to be a unique circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have it written out. I, I guess they said. I think they said in the episode it has been a few weeks since the Southern Air Temple. So, yeah. passage of time, I guess. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, the one thing that I think is also very important about this is seeing um, the someone breaks with uh, the fire stages. Is that you can see once again how important the Avatar is to this world. Um, and we saw it a little bit. The last episode was sort of the. A village saying the avatar is our only chance to sort of save things that we can see that someone's willing to betray his entire culture like everyone he knows and you have to think this is probably mm-hmm. someone who has never met anyone who's not a member of the fire nation and not completely loyal to the uh, the the fire lord and yet he breaks with them to to help the avatar and it sort of again shows that like okay the avatar is a big like is this really big deal Yeah, definitely. It definitely, it kind of made me wonder, like, just about the loyalty of the priest. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know, it made me question more about, like, how, like, how exactly did it come to this in which they're just like, we gotta defeat you. Like, we can't let you. Meanwhile, this one last guy is just like, no, I know why I'm here. I'm here to help you. Like, it just, it makes me more curious than anything about how we got to that point. Mm Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
No, I think it does. Like def- definitely brave, but then I just have more questions. I want a whole backstory on that guy. Yeah. Well, there we go. There's our next series. Or there, there's our fan fiction, Lindsay. Let's go. I'm ready. Hmm. After my Cabbage Man series. After, after your series of, series of Cabbage Man essays? Yes. Maybe they can be cousins. I'm not seeing how that's true, but sure. Don't worry about it. Fan fiction's amazing. Oh, oh I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well aware. Um, as I write my Pokemon fan fiction. Um, <laughs> so, the other thing is we, we get hit the line about how only a fully realized avatar could open the door and uh, like be able to bend that powerfully. Um, and it is something that we kind of see sometimes and eventually we figure out in Korra because of Rava that they're like the avatar is more than just can bend all four elements but like actually can bend all four elements better than most people if that makes sense mm-hmm. especially in the avatar state and I think it's just another sort of importance of like oh yeah okay the avatar is this it's more than just can bend all four elements there, there, there's more to it than just that um, f- purely from a bending perspective obviously there's the spiritual side and everything I also like how when you were uh, in the air temple, you had the bend with air bending, and then obviously you're in a fire temple, you got to build a, f- a bend with fire bending. It's just cool, like their own little keys that obviously a, an earth bender can't break in there and do whatever he wants. It's and it's like as you said, even a regular fire bender can't. You have to be a master fire bender. So I like that. Just the little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we get another Sokka plan. I, I like. We're just getting tons of Sokka plans now. Even if this, even if this doesn't work, it's like it's actually like a, re- a really smart idea. And I was like, "Hey, right, mm-hmm. that good, good, good job, Sokka." And I, I, I just, imp- I'll say this again, but I'll keep saying it. It's like it just, it's important that if if you're going to have a character like Sokka who who does say a lot of ridiculous things and does a lot of you know ridiculous stuff, it it's nice that they give him his moments. To, to shine and this is just a good mm-hmm. example of like yeah Sokka is actually a smart guy he does know what he's doing the ge- definition mm-hmm. of genius has not changed in the last hundred years isn't that lame to you that uh, Momo can fit through the key onto the, and literally be on the other side of the door we mean like, lame I think that's a little s- I'm not lame like it's silly how you can fit a creature through you know like you would think that the key it didn't literally lead you to the other side. Like yeah, I, 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 to be honest, kind of forgot about the whole Momo getting through the door thing, and thought that, and like totally forgot that, that the whole shadow part of it. I, I, I never thought it was that big a deal. I kind of agree with you, but I also, yeah. even if Momo hadn't snuck through, I'm not sure it would have mattered. Like I think the whole like, um, the the scorch marks would have been enough to convince them. Mm-hmm. Right. No, but I kind of remember kind of similar what Cor was thinking is that like when I saw the shadow, I was like, because at first I was like, okay, yeah, scorch marks, haha, like I get it, and then I was like, shadow, I was like, wait, what? How the fuck did they get in there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? No, they can't. And so that kind of idea of I'm like, like how the fuck did Momo get in there? Like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> So Aang gets in, he starts talking to Roku. We get a lot of exposition, but obviously relatively necessary exposition for this story and, and get everything like set up. Um, the one thing is, I, I know, Lindsay, you talked about you know like really liking Roku, and I know some people really do. I'm a little bit more ambivalent towards Roku. I think that at mm-hmm. times 
he's good. At times, he's a little bit more just, okay, they hand him with exposition and things he needs to talk about, which for an expositional character, he isn't that bad. He's definitely mm-hmm. not Tenzin, um, who like really yes. suffers from this in, in Korra, <laughs> where he's just everything that comes out of his mouth is just exposition and it it's terrible and he doesn't feel like a real person with roku it's, it's kind of okay he, come on tenzin, tenzin's got some moments he does but tenzin suffers a lot from hey we need to tell the audience someone who can say it ah we'll make tenzin say it like it just seems like very clearly they do that and it's it's kind of true as well with roku they give him a lot of exposition but it almost is okay that he doesn't feel like a person because he isn't. Like, he's he is a spirit. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of, I guess it makes more sense that he just, like, shows up and is like, Hey, Aang, you need to do this. And Aang's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Um, as opposed to, like, when it's a real person and it, it's sort of silly. But I guess I, I just, I'm not, like... I don't go crazy about Roku. I think he's, I think he's okay. I think that the most interesting stuff about Roku is sort of looking at the decisions that he made um, back when he was alive. But I don't really count that as like being a character in this show is more of just like something to think about in general because um, it's really only one episode where we see that. Um, I'm just going aside. Uh, I love Roku. Yeah, I, actually, my, my favorite avatar. Okay. Just so you guys know that that is in that is an incorrect statement. You're the, the best avatar objectively <laughs> is Kyoshi, but you know, go on. Wan's a Wan fan. Come on. I mean, Wan is awesome. I love Wan, but Kyoshi fucking split a continent. But he split two universes. He's like spirits. Go back to your world. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna close the border now. But he, <laughs> have you ever seen a good Kyoshi meme? About how about how true avatars bathe in the blood of their enemies. <laughs> We're finally back together. I figured this episode had to be really silly. Yes. All right, Corey, go on. So, as, since you guys are completely wrong, let me explain why. Oh um, so, Roku has the best visual design, in my opinion, for an avatar. I think. Roku represents the end game of an avatar. Like, especially visually and like conceptually and wisdom wise, and just like the way you should be as an avatar once you're dead and you successfully were the avatar your entire life. I think, like, as a viewer, especially a first time viewer, this is what Aang could become. Like, and, and then you see at the end of the episode what Roku can do with firebending. And just some, like as a, like especially growing up, you imagine, oh my god, imagine what Aang can do when he makes it to that point, especially as an airbender. Like that's like what I like about him so much, of what he like represents. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think that the 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 ending of this is is really quite unbelievable with with how epic uh, Roku's bending is, and I I understand what you're saying, and I definitely thought that the first time, originally seeing this show with with Roku. Um, but as we get towards the end and we see the decisions that Roku made, um, I like that he has flaws and I, I, I do. And I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't not like Roku. I don't want to like turn this in. Like, I'm not like, oh, I don't like Roku. I just, I don't, I don't love him. Um, just, I think just because we're, I feel like they try to build him up as like this 
you know, as like Aang's mentor who kind of, you know, knows a lot of things and, and knows what he's supposed to do. But at the same time, I also, I don't know, it, I guess the, 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 the person I would compare him to is, in a way is he reminds me a little bit of, of Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Um, and I mean, well, you know, that's probably yeah. Avatar is heavily influenced. Uh, Mike and Mike and Brian, the creators, have have said that like they're very hev- heavily mm-hmm. influenced by Harry Potter, and it's sort of similar. Of like, we're gonna make this character who's old, you know, old, bearded, gives the gives the protagonist a lot of advice and and love is sort of a pseudo father figure for someone who doesn't have have parents who are alive, and eventually we learn has like these really deep flaws from their past and, and made some really difficult decisions and had to overcome them. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know if I see Roku in the same way that you do, Corey, in terms of like, mm. as like, oh, this is what Aang could become. I don't know. That's probably why I love A, this episode so much and B, Roku. I love, I, I, I like, like let's again. I, I always go to the Star Wars because I I, just, I I think Star Wars is the quintessential fantasy universe, and like I, I love like the whole I have to go see like Yoda or my mentor type deal and and have them tell me something and like in a, a cryptic way. Oh. Like I love that type of archetype in fantasy. Well, Yoda is I, in I this them. franchise. Mm-hmm. Yoda. Yoda is in this franchise. Who are you thinking of? Toph. Toph is Yoda in Clint Oh, Nicole. you mean Cora. <laughs> she is Yoda. She's a little green thing that lives in a swamp. She's Yoda. Um, that should I... be a new meme. I mean, it already is. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't see that meme. Or I'm sure it is. But... Sorry. Go on. Like I said, this yeah, is a very silly episode. That's why I like... I like... That's why I love this episode so much. I love Roku. I love... Like, you like the, those spiritual vision quest things that go on. That's probably why I think I like this episode more than you guys do because it's one of my favorite things to watch in like tropes like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Aang gets his his marching orders. He needs to uh, defeat the Fire Lord before the comet. He needs to master all four elements in you know basically the next five minutes. And no pressure. Yeah, and he's obviously a little apprehensive about it. Um, I think that it, it, I like that they sort of sum up very early on, just like, okay, this is what you need to do. Go do it. Um, and later on, like Sokka, mm-hmm. when Sokka sort of says, you know, after they, the invasion fails and he says, you know, the new plan is the old plan. Just master the elements and defeat the Fire Lord. It's like, that was what we were doing from the beginning. And yeah, that's what they're, that, that's what they're doing from this point on. Um, The interesting thing, though, is while this does begin the process of snapping Aang into gear, and and obviously next episode we sort of open with Aang freaking out about he needs to learn the elements, but then Mm -hmm. very quickly that goes away. Like very, very quickly Aang just goes back to like, well, let's go explore a canyon. Let's go, you know, tour around an air temple or something. Um, So... I think that, like, even after this, like, even after this moment of, like, Aang, you need to do this, like, I, I still don't even think Aang fully grasps what he needs to do. Yeah. I think it's kind of the immediate reaction of, like, of, because basically Roku was like, Aang, get your shit together. Like, you gotta do this. And so the immediate reaction following that is, yeah, you're right, I do. 
But kind of like how in real life you're told something and it's really important at first and then slowly just real life kind of takes over and you're just like, oh, yeah. Why was I so worried about that? Like, it's it's kind of like that kind of reaction, I felt like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, kind of when, like, you're uh, reprimanded for having an extra cookie and you're like, oh, man, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. And then, with you know, within a week, you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, I want a cookie. And like, you grab another one. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I kind of, like, take it as. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, don't they also talk about what was introduced is, you know, Sosin's Comet and, like, how firebenders have that window of, like, being superbenders? Yeah. Well, yeah, that, so he didn't just learn, hey, I got to master No, no, not just you have to, you have to master off firemans now. Like, right now. Like, you got to get all You have this, less like, than a year. Go. To do this huge thing. <laughs> Well, yeah, so A, this sets up a clock. B, it sets up the fact that firebenders get super bending window. Uh, yeah, so it's not just, like, what you already knew. No, no, I, don't, I didn't say it's what you already knew. It's just it, mm-hmm. this is Aang's quest. Like, this, this, is, this is 100% what he has mm-hmm. to do. This is them saying it. I'm just saying that Aang just, rather than this being the moment of Aang being like, oh, I need to start doing stuff, it's a little bit. We get one episode of that, and then... We go back to just the Aang who just doesn't really care and does random stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, Corey mentioned it. Uh, other people might have mentioned it, but we get we get some real Avatar State badassitude, is what I wrote in my notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice notes. I, 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 there's no is there that. there's no better word for that. That what Roku did was badassitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yes, an avatar is, is, is quite powerful, and, you know, lava bending is extremely overpowered. It's just, it, it, it is broken, it needs to be nerfed, it, it's, it's not fair. Blizzard, please. <laughs> so, now we can finally talk about it. A firebender using lava bending, does it make you mad? It does. It, sh- it shouldn't, that's not... No. Now, okay, now, I, now let's Wait, take hold, away... Hold, I have a quick question. Yes. So, are, are you annoyed that Roku is doing fire... Like, because he's a firebender. And no. Doing... Roku is the avatar. He is earthbending. Yeah. It's fine. I have that, no problem yeah. with that. Corey is talking about Sozin lava bending in the Avatar and the Fire Lord, and I have not seen that episode in a long oh, enough okay. time that I don't actually remember him. I thought for a second you were annoyed that Roku, the avatar, no. was doing he's, that. I, you know what? <laughs> That's Troy, what I, like, what? I, I agree with Charles. I believe firebenders can bend energy. So. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Energy bending is a whole nother thing. That's not actually. You got, you got electricity. You got lava. You got fire. Lava got is plasma. not energy. Period. And pl- pl- they, they can't bend plasma. Airbenders can bend plasma. Has that ever happened? Well, actually, no. Plasma's not true. Plasma is just a state of matter. That's a whole nother con. Let's not get into the physics of this. But that's the whole point. <laughs> but what I'm saying is plasma is just super, super heated anything. Okay, okay. You know what? That's it. I'm going on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> what are you looking up? What plasma is? Plasma. Plasma is the fourth state of matter. It's just take... I mean, yes, lightning is plasma, but that's a little bit different. I mean, electricity... <laughs> lightning bending isn't lightning it's electricity that happens to create plasma oh reddit actually has an entire thread on this 
on the validity of plasma. All right, so earthbenders can earthbenders can do anything mostly solid, water, liquid, air, gas, and then fire plasma. Uh huh. But earthbenders cannot bend anything solid. They can't bend wood. Well, maybe they just so suck. Wait a se- wait, I have I have a question. Okay. Lava flows. Waterbenders cannot so bend lava. <laughs> Listen, it was a it was a valid question, okay? It flows like water. It does, but it's Yes, it's not. hot, but so is hot water. Lava still <laughs> Lava bending is the equivalent of turning water or turning ice into water. You're just changing the state of matter. So earthbenders yes, can, can melt can't... the rock that they have, turn it into lava, it's still a rock, and continue to throw it like they threw the rock. It just happens to be in the right. liquid form. To be, I, I have to give my, I, I never like agreeing with Mark. It actually kills me every time I do. <laughs> yeah. But it kills me lava when you do. is the molten rock expelled by a volcano. So it's molten rock. So yeah, earthbenders get it. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, but we have an actual case of some lava Does Sozin action lava bend? Does anyone have the episode up? It's the Avatar. No, I'm not uh, watching yes, the Avatar. I actually Avatar always the have the episode right up on my phone just for uh, easy viewing, of course. I, I mean, I have it on the DVD somewhere in this damn basement, but I'm not. No, I will. I will watch that episode and report next week of Wait, weather so lava bend. I have one for you guys. Who can bend ash? Ash, as in. Gotta catch them all. As in no, no one. As in, no, because Ash is, Ash is the best, except not, because he's not the he's best. He's the chosen one. He is the well, chosen one. chosen if he's never won a goddamn gym championship. No, he's won gyms. He just never won a Pokemon League. But he came yeah. close. He's a chosen Ooh. one. He ain't no All right, master. here's one for you guys. Ash oh, would be God. firebenders. No. Ash... Are the solid remains of fires? Wait, when you say ash, as in like burnt wood? No, like ash. So when a volcano erupts, you get like ash, ash falling. Yes, and when sky. you burn wood, you get ash. Yeah. I do not believe firebenders can bend ash. I believe that they can create ash by burning I mean, things and then throw it. But well, anyone can throw ash. Yeah. I can throw it. Exactly. I mean, you could make uh, an argument sure? that fire isn't actually a physical anything it's just simply the manifestation of heat energy their oxidation reduction in a certain manner so, so if it's oxidation <laughs> shouldn't airbenders be able to do that yeah, so yeah, yeah arguably yes but we're gonna go with the fact that in this universe fire is a physical thing yeah hey fun facts why Did- why is why is plasma not a physical Oh boy. <laughs> Fun fact. This is yeah. not Avatar related, but did you know that uh, in Pokemon, Lugia's Arrow Blast is plasma? I did not know that. Um, does Lugia, is Lugia's like noise? Can Lugia make the whale noise? Right? <laughs> Lugia has a song that it emits from yeah, its mouth. Yeah, but like Lugia's natural noise is like a whale, like a humpback whale. Right? Okay, sure, but Lugia no, is a giant you, I'm bird. You, I'm asking you. Uh, kind I think of it sounds pretty similar. Ish, but it's. I mean, it, it's got that you know the song to it. I mean, it it, it does admit that. 
Yeah, so Lugia is one of my favorite legendaries of all time. Oh Lugia God. is a great Pokemon. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this episode up now. Because... I, I love when Lugia just shows up and battles the firebenders. <laughs> because some of us... <laughs> wow, that, that was... A, because that was Mark got guy. triggered when Because in I the can turn this into show. a very long Pokemon discussion if you want me to. But I won't because that would go on for hours and we need to go to bed. <sighs> all right. Anything else anyone wants to say about the end of this episode before we go into closing thoughts? I want to know what the Fire Lord is going to do with the priests. Like, mm. is he going to execute them? Or yeah, he's how? He's probably listen to Admiral uh, Zhao. 100%. Yeah. I don't think he executes I, I them. I think I, he throws I them know. in. I think he throws to them in, pres- in, in into prison. Uh, Wait. Okay. They they must survive, right? Because someone crowned Azula. Or yeah, but they to could crown. have. There could be multiple. There are definitely some fire sages mm-hmm. back in the homeland. So, because mm-hmm. we see them later on when um when Zuko goes into the the catacombs to read Sozin's diary. I'm gonna call it a diary, even though it's a will. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So on that note, we're gonna wrap up this incredibly silly and ridiculous episode. I'm I'm, I'm glad we all got to back together for this because you know this was this was interesting. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go with our final thoughts and our ratings for this episode. Um, Lindsay, why don't you kick things off? Sure. Um, I really like this episode. Kind of like in, I thought said in the beginning, it's a good way of especially introducing us to Roku. Has a lot of really cool scenes, especially the uh, the scene with Appa flying around, avoiding giant fireballs, and kind of bringing us back to the idea of Zuko's desperation for honor and daddy issues. So I think in total with everything, I'm going to give this episode a 7.8. Okay. Charles? Um, I mean... I think we all agreed pretty much on the main points. Uh, it does a really good job at segueing from the previous episode. Uh, it does... I guess it's kind of shoehorned, but it does introduce to us really important plot points through Roku. Um, the mirroring of Aang and Zuko as they break, respectively break the blockade is nice. And um, well, there's some small parts about it that I didn't like, but... I think overall, I'd still give this like an eight, eight point one. Right, Corey. Well, I think you guys know that I'm very high on this episode from what I've been talking about. I love the vision quest trope in fantasy. I love Avatar Roku. I love the be- first entire ten minutes of this episode. It was phenomenal action. Um, some of the best action we've seen up to this point, actually. Come to think of it. I love the tension of both um, Zuko and Aang going into the Fire Nation and just being there. Um, I love when they actually get there, the firebending to get in. I love uh, what Roku actually had to say to him. And I love the ending, the actual final scene you see of them flying in towards the moon. Um, This overall was a really great episode for me. I had to give it a final score of a 9.2. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah, as I said in the beginning, I, I think this is a very good episode. I just think that 
I was I went expecting remembering like really loving this episode and and I'm a little bit lower on it from before but I still think it's it's definitely very good um, I think that there there are some really good things that this this episode set up um, but all in all the way I see this episode is like a very necessary episode but also a very um, like set expositional this episode had a job to do it did its job which is good um, but I don't think anything transitional. Um, so I'll give this episode an 8.3, um, which, you know, still good, but I do think it is the, a we- the weaker episode between the two of, of the two-parter. So with that, I will close out this episode. Um, as per usual, you can follow us on Twitter at AuntWu underscore pod. You can tweet at us. You can also leave comments. We are now up on multiple podcasting sites, so if you have problems getting us on iTunes or on SoundCloud, you can also find us on Google Play. Uh, as well cool. as a few others, um, and that would be good. So you can leave comments there as well, and we will respond to them. Um, we're I apologize for the break, but obviously with the holidays, uh, things got a little difficult. We should be back on our regular schedules uh, moving forward. Uh, look for some guests coming up. I have quite a few guests planned for the next couple of episodes, um, some very popular episodes with guests coming up um, and, and some interesting things. Uh, so that should be fun. Um, and we're going to keep chugging along. Um, hopefully we will do some, some cool stuff coming up. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Lindsay for coming in, especially recording on this uh, different day during the week. Uh, I know it's a little bit harder for you guys, but I appreciate that a lot. So thank you. And with that, It's a mystery will... day. Yes. It's a, it's a what day? <laughs> I don't know. Our viewers, um, our listeners will never know what day of the week this is. No. It's a mystery. <laughs> they won't. Also, somehow, once again, we went almost an hour and ten minutes. So, with that, we'll close things out. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week. See ya.